In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammie and Sandy. Joy Jackson Morgan is our guest this week on Money Tales. When Joy was 11 years old, she earned her first paycheck as a newspaper delivery person. She distinctly remembers it was for $40.72. Joy wanted to use the money to buy a new pair of shoes. Her mom had different plans. Joy's mother took her to the local bank and helped Joy open an account and use the money to buy a savings bond. By her mom's math, that bond would be worth double by the time Joy was 18. She was right. That money enabled Joy to buy a much-needed book later on when she was in college. As you'll hear, this crash course in savings at an early age drilled important money habits in Joy that she's leveraged ever since. Today, Joy is the executive director at Third Street Youth Center and Clinic in San Francisco. Under Joy's leadership, Third Street has experienced exponential growth, fortifying its standing as a leader in housing and behavioral health services for young people. Recently, Third Street opened San Francisco's first Tay Navigation Center for young adults experiencing homelessness. Here are three key money topics Joy hits on in this conversation. First, how despite being admitted to Stanford, when Joy was making a college decision, she was laser focused on getting a great education at the lowest price possible. Second, how she has always been mission-driven. As long as Joy is doing what she feels is right, she knows that she'll be financially provided for. And third, how sound investment advice can come from unexpected people. For Joy, this included a thoughtful school janitor. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now, on to our conversation with Joy Jackson Morgan. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. I'm Cami Doder. And I'm Sandy Brager. Cami, I think you and your family are just back from the happiest place on earth. Is that right? Oh my gosh, Sandy, we took our girls finally to Disneyland in Anaheim and it was unbelievable. I mean, it really surprised me and delighted all of four of us, my husband, my two daughters and I. And Sandy, thanks for asking because we had some money conversations, particularly my husband and I, not the girls as much, but it's an investment to go down there and spend a day at Disneyland. I mean, shockingly so. When did these conversations come up and how did you approach them? So we had been talking about Disneyland for a long time. With the pandemic, it delayed when we'd likely go. My folks live close by, so it's a relatively easy place for us to visit. And like anything that's close by, you sort of push it off. We'll get to it some other time. And we thought this is just the right time. So my husband said, I'll look up and set us up with tickets. Oh, thanks, honey. 
Benit says to me after doing some research, wow, you should know how expensive this is. <laughs> and Sandy, it's just another great prompt to talk about the values, think about where we're spending our money, how we prioritize. There were ways you could spend a lot more money. Someone recommended you could hire someone that helps you fast track and get on the rides faster. And we chose not to because we said, listen, this is sort of our investment in learning about Disneyland. We do have my mom that still lives close by. We can come back again. Let's just learn this all by ourselves. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because the last time I was at an amusement park with our children, it was the first time I was exposed to that whole idea of paying more to skip the line. I just had such a negative reaction to that. That's not how I grew up and it seemed unjust. Now, people can spend their money whichever way they want, but it felt like in an amusement park, we should all be equals. I was really thrilled to see so many people, such diversities, everybody, big smiles on their faces. I'm glad to hear that. And it sounds like it was a great trip and worth every penny of it. It was, except for my brain got rattled too many times on the roller coaster rides. Oof, that hurt a lot. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the best. Grandma me next time for me. That's my next investment. <laughs> well, I'd like to welcome our Money Tales guest today, Joy Jackson Morgan. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Would you introduce yourself and in doing so provide a couple pivotal moments that really impacted who you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in San Francisco, particularly in the Bayview Hunters Point area, neighborhood, on the Hunters Point side in the 80s, which is a time in itself. And I was kind of a geeky kid. So think about like a geeky kid growing up in an urban community. I was pre-med in college. I got my master's in urban public health. So I'd always been just kind of a nerd in a way, but a cool nerd. I was popular, but I was serious about my studies. And so now I get to work in my community. So, you know, I got a chance to go away for school, come back. And now I'm the executive director of a community-based organization in Baby Hunters Point called Third Street Youth Center and Clinic. This is an interesting story how I got there. I was in Southern California. So it's so funny that you just talking about Southern California, Ken. And I was on the 405. Oh, good old 405. Yeah, we were there a lot. Right. I was in a horrible car accident in 2011, and it took me a while to learn how to walk again. And I was doing research for uh, Charles Drew University. And if you know anything about research, like, you know, you have to earn your keep. And so I couldn't tell them when I was going to be able to come back and recover from this horrible accident. And so we lost funding for my position. So then I started to think, why am I down here? Why won't I just go back home where my family is and be able to work up there? And I applied for a research assistant job at Third Street. And within three and a half years, I became the executive director. And I've been executive director for the past seven years. I want to ask so many questions about your story and we'll get there. Let's go back to this time when you were growing up. And would you share any eye-opening childhood money memories? So the value of money, I feel, was instilled in me very young. I had my first job as a paper girl, both for the San Francisco Chronicle and Examiner. 
And I was really excited to be earning money. My cousin and I saw this also like sort of geeky guy have a paper route. And all of a sudden we started to notice that he had the hip clothes. His name was Craig. He looked like the human version of Bart Simpson. And he just started to become really cool. He had jewelry. He had all the latest shoes. We were like, hold on. We went from making fun of this guy for being a paper boy to, wait, can you tell us what you do? And like, how much are you making? And I'll never forget this because our first boss, his name was Patrick. And we flagged him down because we knew that kid, Craig, was going on vacation. And we were like, hey, you're going to need somebody to fill in his route while he's out. Can we get on? And lo and behold, my cousin Jamal and I did so well that Craig lost his route. (laughs) And with my first paycheck, I was so excited. It was like $40 and 72 cents. I love that you remember the amount. Because it was $40 and I had never, outside of birthdays and stuff, I I had never had a check before. And I was so proud of it. And I brought it to my mom and she was like, you're going to go open up a bank account. Oh, mom. I mean, I was excited because I had seen her have Bank of America account with the Versatile card, which is what they were called. If folks don't know, ATM machines used to call Versatile. And I was excited about that aspect. And then when we got there, she says, you're going to get a savings bond. You're going to spend your $40 on a savings bond. She was going to add to it so that it was a $40 savings bond. And I was like, what? I wanted to buy some shoes. I wanted to, I had all these ideas of how I wanted to spend my money. And she told me, no, because this will increase in value. When you're 18, this will be worth $80. And at the time, here I am 11, I didn't care, but she saw like I needed to be able to save first and that like this investment was going to make a difference for me later. So I was like, all right, but the next check got to be mine. The next check, she made me buy a purse (laughs) to hold the money. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. She said, "Um, I need you to be able to keep up with your money because I told her I have a wallet. She's like, but you need to put your wallet somewhere so that you make sure that it's secure and that you're keeping up with all your important things like your keys and your wallet and everything else. And I was a tomboy. So I was pretty upset that she had me carrying a purse. But those three steps of opening up a bank account, having this delayed gratification of investing in a savings bond and having a way to make sure that I'm holding on to my money really set the foundation for me. And I didn't realize that until I was starting to think like, what was my first relationship with money? Great stories. Then she let me buy shoes. (laughs) Then you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. Then then she let me do uh, what I wanted to do with my money, as long as I was saving. Joy, did you cash in that savings bond when you turned 18? I did because I ended up needing it for a book in college. And I was so grateful that I had that because at the time I didn't have any money and I needed this book. Again, being a a bio major, our books were pretty expensive. So having that $80 to go back to really went a long way for me. Oh, that's so great. And did that have any lessons to you as you matured through college and beyond? Yeah. I mean, now I still have saving bonds. I diversify my portfolio because of that, but also I'm definitely a saver. So yeah, I really think that her teaching me the value of compound interest and 
Again, 11-year-old Joy didn't want to hear that, but 41-year-old Joy definitely takes that to heart. Joy, I think one of the remarkable things about your story is that your mom was the one who was teaching you. There's so few of us that were taught by our mothers about money. What else did she teach you when you were growing up about money? I grew up in a single-parent household, and my mom did a lot with a little. She sent my brother and I to private school. She bought a house. And she retired at 57. She was really, really resourceful. I think that's what she taught me the most is how to be resourceful and strategic, even with the little that you have. And that if you do take care of the little that you have, it ends up being that you might be blessed with more. And so she just really had that faith that it was all going to work out and that she was investing in her kids. She was investing in our foundation and she was investing in herself again, so much so that she could retire fairly young, which was not really heard of. Such an important message, investing in yourself. Would you say more about that, Joy? How did your mom invest in herself? She definitely steered clear of credit debt, which I think was great. Like that wasn't a thing for us. Like if we didn't have money, you just couldn't buy it. Baby Joy learned that young too. I remember asking her, I I think I wanted pizza or something for dinner. And she said she didn't have money for it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like you have your card, use your card. She said, no, no, I need money to be able to use the card. And I was like, go to the Versatel and just take the money out. She was like, no, you have to put money in to the, into the bank in order to take the money out. So she just didn't, she didn't really do credit. She used credit very strategically in order to purchase her house. But she always had A1 credit, even when she passed away. Like I felt like she really had set us up and set herself up even in the afterlife. Tell us more about what it was like going to college. How did money figure into that decision? For me, I was all about trying to find a free ride. (laughs) I did not, again, growing up, sort of being fearful of debt and having a younger brother come behind me and knowing like how that would strain our family. Yeah, I was just looking for a free ride. So I had gotten into a number of pretty good schools But again, I was like, who's offering the most? Like, I remember getting into Stanford and seeing like the bottom line on the financial aid statement of like $40,000 that I would need. And they were only giving me 11,000. And I was like, well, Stanford, you're out. And I remember I was going to go to USF because I was only going to be short about $5,000 a year. I was like, okay, I can work. I can do these things to make sure that I just didn't want to have school debt. Again, I was pre-med, so I wanted to go to medical school and I always said that I was going to save my debt to medical school. I didn't want to have undergrad debt and medical school debt. I just felt like that would drown me. And last minute, a school came through with a full ride and I was like, well, that's where I'm going. I didn't care what it had, what programs, what their reputation was. I was like, it's free. So I wanted to go to school for free. So I worked during college. I made sure that I don't have any student loan debt. And same thing happened when I went to graduate school. I worked, I became an employee of the university. So then my tuition was discounted. And yeah, I have both degrees without any student loan debt. Sounds like your mom passed on her resourcefulness to you. Very amazing. Joy, would you tell us a little bit about coming out of your graduate school and 
Now you got to make a living. I've always lived below my means. My mom always had the saying too about making sure that your household expenses were covered, meaning make sure that your rent is paid. You can hustle up food. You can go without food. If your lights get turned off, you can use candles, right? So she was always just like, make sure that your rent is always paid. And so as a young adult struggling, you know, there's many top ramen meals. <laughs> there's other like little ways of trying to pinch your pennies. But for the most part, I just always tried to make sure that my car insurance was paid for and my rent was paid for. Everything else could be a workaround. And I was just so terrified of debt that credit cards really wasn't a thing. Like I didn't fall into those traps of like trying to get credit cards too crazy. I think like at one point I had gotten up to $1,500 and I was stressing out like full on panic attacks about that. But I just started staying below my means and just making sure that I was living a frugal life. Like I was, I paid for my car's cash until I couldn't anymore. I made sure that I had a savings account, but I tried to just earn enough to be able to cover my living expenses and put away a little bit for a rainy day. That was like my sole thing. Like long as I could pay my bills and have a little bit for fun and a little bit for savings, I was okay with whatever the salary was. So you were choosing roles based on your interest and not so much on the money, as long as you could cover the basics of your life costs and save some money on the side. I am still like that. I'm working in nonprofit. <laughs> so, yeah, so say more about that. I think I've just always been mission driven in that sense that as long as I was doing the right things, I would be provided for. And so I take that into how I lead too. So, our organization has grown tremendously since I became ED. When I took over our organization, our budget was. 600k and now it's well we just finished up this previous fiscal year was 12 million and this fiscal year is 14 million so that's a lot of money that's huge growth it is but again being very intentional with this growth and scale i think is important like always keeping what our youth want and what or where they're driving us to i think has always been important because it very much aligns with my own life how I am mission driven and I don't focus on how much the money is. There's a saying in our community that all money ain't good money. And so I've had to remind myself of that quite a bit. But I just think that, again, long as we're doing the right things and we're doing right by our young people, we will be continued to be blessed with opportunities and money to scale. And what a great leadership mantra Joy, would you talk a little more about Third Street Youth Center and Clinic, what you're doing there, and if there's opportunities that you all take advantage of to have money conversations with the kids? Third Street Youth Center and Clinic is a great organization, not because I, I lead it, but I think where it came from was, again, a beautiful place. So Third Street started in 2005 as a community effort. The community thought that Young people deserve to have a safe space to process everything that was going on in their young lives. And at the time, we had had a lot of community violence going on. And so community neighbors, stakeholders all had come together to say, 
we want young people to be able to express themselves in a more positive way and not have a retaliation mentality around some of these losses, but also to teach them how to grieve in more healthy ways. And so there was a series of community conversations for about a year, and they started off as Bayview Healing Arts. So using art as a healing modality for young people to express themselves. So it was like, you know, spoken word, poetry, music, just getting all those emotions out. And you you recall when you were young, it was sometimes kind of hard for you to do that, even as adults, like it's sometimes hard for us. So giving them different tools to be able to process was extremely important to community. And about two years into Bayview Healing Arts, there were two medical school residents from UCSF. Now it's Dr. Mark Ghali, who is the state secretary of health and human services, and Dr. Ayanna Bennett, who is the newly minted health director for Washington, D.C. So it's like these two medical school (laughs) students came together to help out the young people at Bayview Healing Arts, and they helped start the clinic with the late, great Michael Baxter from the Department of Public Health. And the clinic started off being one day a week and grew to five days a week. And that's when the youth voted to change the name to Third Street Youth Center and Clinic because it was on Third Street and we had a youth center and a clinic. Oh, like it is. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Now we've expanded. We have six locations throughout the city. We run San Francisco's first and only transitional age youth navigation center. We do a lot of housing now. We've stayed true to our roots with having a clinic and providing mental health services as well as our youth development programs. So again, like keeping up with the times with the young people about like how things are changing and how their priorities change is important to us. Joy, you mentioned before that as you've helped evolve Third Street, the budget has ballooned. You mentioned before also that you approach your work with the same money attitudes as your life of being purpose-driven and really focusing on what the purpose is. How are you making these money decisions though within the context of your work? And does that differ at all from the decisions you're making for yourself personally? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Growing up without money helps you become resourceful and strategic. So I'm kind of frugal. That has helped us quite a bit in terms of building a reserve for the organization. The industry standard is about three months. We have about six months. I try to go stretch goal of a year just because... You're a saver. Yes, I am a saver. So again, Third Street's personality might be more of joys when it comes or relationship with money. I always try to stress to our team to look at what we have first before buying something or spending money that we may not have to. So I'm always looking at redundancies. I have an incredible finance team that we get to strategize on maximizing contracts and helping the team, like our leadership team, see how we can share resources or trainings and stuff like that to save more money. But also I think us having this flexibility and this type of budget makes things more attainable and provides access to different experiences for our youth and just for our our organization. My old boss, she used to say, "If, if money solves the problem and you have it, then use it. So I think about that when I'm bumping my head up against something and I'm like, well, we got money. 
So <laughs> we might as well just use it because we can't, we're wasting time and energy and resources, like bumping our heads, trying to be as frugal as possible. So I'm trying to balance that, like trying to save money and be strategic, but then also being like, is this a waste of time? Can we, can we just pay for it and move on? Or can we pay a little bit extra to preserve a relationship? It's trying to balance those things. But I think my humble upbringing has also kept me humble in this position. Like I don't really talk about this growth as much. That could be a hindrance to Third Street too, because like I'm not always good about touting our successes, which doesn't always get you the attention that the organization needs and deserve to be able to create new funding streams and stuff. But yeah, I just try to stay humble. Hopefully you have a good marketing person to help you tell this amazing story. We're working on it. Okay, good. Joy, you mentioned how you were terrified of debt. Would you tell us today, what are your feelings around debt? How do you handle it? I am still pretty terrified of debt, but I remember the first car I bought through financing. The salesman sat down, he leans back in his chair and says, welcome to buying a house. And I looked at him so crazy, like, what? I thought we were buying this car. You know, I'm young. And so I'm, I'm already freaking out that I'm going to have a car note. And then here he starts talking about buying a house. And so he explained to me how good credit works, that establishing a good track record of paying things on time. That was the other sort of stressor he gave me with like making sure that no matter what, that you're paying your car note on time and making sure that it keeps your credit well, right? So I have like my mom's idea of like paying your rent on time. And now I have this salesman saying, make sure you pay your car note on time. And that set things up for me to see how you can use credit to elevate. And from that, I also got like some amazing advice from a school janitor who started telling me about Roth IRAs and like how to just put some money to the side. So when I did decide to buy my own home, not only did I have a framework and good credit, I also had a way of like using this investment tool to be able to put down on my home's down payment. And that's sort of set up the way I look at things as an adult is like being able to use credit as a tool and not to be as worried about it. But if I can pay for something up front, I will. (laughs) I'm just now, and I say just now this year, starting to buy into like the point system with credit. So using that to be able to take trips and things like that. So I now start to think a little bit more strategic about credit usage and trying to stay below a certain amount to make sure that my credit is good and always paying it off every month, no matter what. I'm not surprised based on what you've shared with us so far. (laughs) You mentioned before that your mom retired early, and it also sounds like she came to the end of her life pretty early. What was your money takeaway from that experience of losing your mom as a young person? Yeah, my mom, there was this thing in our family that one of your first visitors, it was like our little joke, one of your first visitors wasn't always the a family member, but it was the insurance man. So babies got sort of christened with the insurance man coming over to make sure that that baby was covered with life insurance. And I remember my mom always had life insurance for herself, for me and my brother. And when I got my own policy, my mom 
started crying. She like to her, I could have been an adult in age and responsible and all that. But the moment that I got my own life insurance policy, she was like, you are grown. You are an adult now. And when it was time for her services, many of her friends and family members, her siblings in particular, had reached out and was like, do you need anything? And I was like, no, we're good. And they're like, of course, like, I know your mom took care of everything. And so I miss my mom dearly. And now I'm taking care of two households for the most part, like I inherited her home. But just knowing that we're not in the same situation as a lot of other families in America are facing with debt, with having to reach out to folks for those final services, it just felt good. Like I felt really proud of my mom that she was able to live a life of fulfillment, but also take care of her business. Like, I think that was one of the things I was most proud of my mom is that she knew how to take care of her business up until the end. So our lives aren't as hard because she sacrificed. Amazing. She planned. Yeah. She absolutely planned. What's next for you, Joy? I think I'm, I'm in that chapter of my life that I'm trying to set my money up on autopilot to prepare for my later years in retirement. So I'm really looking into more larger investments like real estate and using money and credit as a tool to, again, yeah, set myself up so that I won't have to worry about money. Like I wish I would have been able to take away some of my mom's worry about money a little bit. Like I think she was overly cautious at times, but when I retire, I want to be able to just relax and just have my money work for me and pay me back. So yeah, that's what I'm focused on, trying to get into some other investments for the future. Joy, tell us what's your next money conversation going to be and who's it going to be with? Wow. So right now, Third Street is trying to acquire some residential spaces. So we want to buy some housing for young people. And so I think my next conversation is going to be around purchasing residential property for Third Street. And I think that conversation is going to be with some sort of consultant, (laughs) some kind of like real estate consultant. We never do anything without researching it first. So I need to talk to some people about what that means and what it's going to take for us to be in the residential game. What an exciting next conversation and evolution for Third Street. Wow. Joy, it's been such a pleasure. Would you share with our listeners, where is the best place they could find you? Wow. Under my desk. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So (laughs) um, you can can reach me at my email at joy, J-O-I, at thirdstreetyouth.org. So 3-R-D-S-T, youth, Y-O-U-T-H dot org. We're on LinkedIn, Joy Jackson Morgan. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing story with us, Joy, inspiring us and keep doing what you're doing. You're impacting so many people and it's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a good time. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. 
go to experient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.